0: What's happening? You're listening to the Life in Paradise podcast with me, your host, Brandon Harper. this Saturday, January 21st, 2023. It's odd for me to be here on a Saturday, but here I am. If it's your first time listening, I appreciate you tuning in. I'm a regular dude with a regular job and lots and lots of opinions, so I come here about once every week or so to get them off my chest. Some you'll agree with and others you won't. And I am okay with that. The world would be a boring place if we all had the same opinions. In my utopian world of freedom, there's absolutely nothing wrong with sharing your opinions. As long as we all agree that they're just opinions. I don't like a bunch of rules. I don't like a bunch of regulations. So if that's your thing, this might not be the podcast for you. Unless, of course, you're actually open-minded and you want to get a different point of view. Either way, the most important thing to know about me is that I do not do pre-recorded intros. And another thing, this podcast is brought to you by World's Best Hammocks, literally the best hammocks in the world. If you have not checked them out, go over to the website, worldsbesthammocks.com, and just treat yourself to a nice hammock. It will change your life. But that's enough rambling for the intro. Sit back, relax, relax. And let me run the burner on the gas stove for about the next 30 to 45 minutes.
1: And now I know that it's true. Come it's come What I'm saying to you this morning, my friend. Even if it falls your lot to be a street sweeper. Going out and sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures. Sweep streets like Handel and Beethoven composed music. Sweep streets like Shakespeare wrote poetry. Sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, Here lived a great street sweeper who swept his job well. If you can't be a pine on the top of the hill, be a scrub in the valley, but be the best little scrub on the side of the hill. Be a bush if you can't be a tree. If you can't be a highway, just be a trail. If you can't be the sun, be a star. It isn't by size that you win or you fail. Be the best of whatever you are. And when you do this, when you do this, you've mastered the length of life. This onward push to the end of self-fulfillment is the end of a person's life. Now, don't stop here, though. You know, a lot of people get no further in life than the length. They, they develop their inner powers. They do their jobs well. Do you know they try to live as if nobody else lives in the world but themselves? And they use everybody as mere tools to get to where they're going. They don't love anybody but themselves. And the only kind of love that they really have for other people is utilitarian love. You know, they just love people that they can use. A lot of people never get beyond the first dimension of life. They use other people as Mere steps to which or by which they can climb to their goals and their ambitions. These people don't work out well in life. They may go for a while. They may think they're making it all right. But there is a law. They call it the law of gravitation in the physical universe. And it works. It's final. It's inexorable. Whatever goes up can come down. You shall reap what you sow. God has structured this universe that way. And he who goes through life not concerned about others will be a subject victim of this law. So I move on and say that it is necessary to add breath to length. Now, the breath of life is the outward concern for the welfare of others, as I said. And a man has not begun to live until he can rise above the narrow confines of his own individual concerns to the broader concerns of all humanity.
0: It is very uncommon that I play a three-minute clip on this show. It's even less common that I open with it. And the reason I did that is because I wanted it to have a little bit of an impact. I wanted to catch some of you people off guard and think, I thought I was listening to this big old redheaded son of a gun bitching about everything. And I got to hear this dude, who am I even listening to? And most people don't know who that was. Some of you do who know me and have heard this, this commentary before. But that was Martin Luther King. And the reason I played that is because last Monday was Martin Luther King Day, and since I podcasted on Sunday, I didn't really think about talking about it. But when everyone thinks about Martin Luther King, they only think of one thing, and that's a speech that he made, I Have a Dream. And they couldn't really tell you what else Martin Luther King stood for or the, the methods that he used to portray his opinions. But they're very quick to want to stay home from work and close the banks and do everything, which, okay, I'm fine with that. But we do a really bad job as Americans learning what our holidays are about and the richness of our history. I mean, our history is not long, but it's intense. It's very short compared to the rest of the world. It's the newest newest civilization, which is also the most powerful. And that should tell you something. It should... It should tell you something that a country could be established and rise to the world's superpower in like 10% of the amount of time that all the other countries have basically existed. And there's a few reasons for that, a lot of them being the abundant natural resources that we have and the ability to structure government in the way that we saw would be the most fit after lots and lots of historical data showing us problems. But in addition to that, We've also been gifted with the mindset of the I can. I can do anything. And I do have freedom and I have opportunity. And those are things that are passed down from generation to generation. I'm of the opinion that as time goes on, those qualities or those characteristics which have driven us as a country to be the ruler of the world are becoming more and more diluted. But either way, Martin Luther King highly valued hard work and that's what I wanted to bring to bring to light in this segment was how important it was to Dr. King that people understood that they needed to work hard and they needed to try and be the best at what they did and if they did that they would be successful. And I feel like that still holds true today. It's still the land of opportunity. It's the place where you can be born in a trailer park and die in a mansion. Now, there's no denying that it's becoming harder and harder to achieve that. That's not a secret. We have to ask ourselves why, and that might be a discussion for a different time, different place. But it's no secret that everyone wants to be here from all over the world. It's because they see the opportunity. And it's easy to become complacent here where we are on the treadmill in the rat race to say, I don't like it, it's too hard. Everything's too expensive. There's so much suppression. It's easy to say that when you're in the middle of it, but if you travel the world and you look from their perspective to how we have it, your opinion would probably change. And I think the message in Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech is invaluable. The idea that all you have to do is try. You don't have to do anything else. You just need to try your hardest and be the best at what you can be because we're not all born equal. Some people have higher IQ and some people have lower IQ. Some people had the blessing of being exposed to a family who had very, very high IQs. And so they had the blessing of growing up in an environment where their parents pushed them. They required more and they raised the expectations. And parents spent their free time educating their children and requiring that their children make good grades and their children maintain good relationships with their teachers and their classmates and the principal and the nurse. And there's other kids who grew up in environments where parents didn't care, they weren't home, they were working, maybe they were doing drugs, maybe they were prostitutes. We don't know, right? But we can admit that not everyone has exposure to the same things that benefit them in life. And it sucks for the kids who get the short end of the stick because they were born into a bad situation. And the only thing that society can do is give them opportunity, give them a platform, give them a springboard. Allow them the chance to seek excellence if they if they want it. We can't go back in time. We cannot change the values of children. We cannot make people want to work. We cannot make people have the desire to succeed and acquire and to store and to invest. And you know what? Maybe some people don't want that. Maybe some people want the ability to just work a little bit and just have a little bit of money because they value not working. But you cannot have both. You cannot have a system which allows people the opportunity to earn private jets and also have a system that allows people to be extremely poor and everyone in between. So the only solution that a lot of these people see is taking taking some of the wealth from the wealthy and injecting it into the lives of the people who are not wealthy. Because remember, money is finite. Technically I know they print money, but money's supposed to be finite. So you have to take from one in order to give to another. And when you do that, you disincentivize the people that you're taking it from. You're giving them a reason to not take risks or apply effort. Because if they do, then the benefits from that will be taken from them. So they're disincentivized to produce more than what they might need or what they what they want. And then what happens? And then where does the money come from that you were taking from them and redistributing to those who didn't have things. Now it's no longer there. And this is how socialism falls apart. Because at the very beginning, it works great. The government takes money from one group, they skim their cut off the top, and they give money to another group. And it brings up the lives of the people that they give money to. That's at the beginning. As time goes on, they take more from the wealthy, they scrape a little more off the top, they give more to the poor people. And then what happens after five or so, maybe 10 years of this, the wealthy people think to themselves, wow, the harder I work, the more money gets taken from me. The more I acquire, the more I have to give up. Why would I continue on this plan? I would rather just work less because it's going to be taken from me anyway. So instead of me going to the office and spending four extra hours and potentially missing my kids' baseball game, I'm going to go home and hang out with my kids because it doesn't matter how much I produce right there's no sense in trying to earn a bunch of extra money to take the family on a trip to Disneyland if I'm not going to get that trip if I'm going to work extra and they're going to take the money away from me that I would have used for that trip then why would I do it and so then the government has less to give away and they also have less to take money off the top for themselves and that's how socialism falls apart eventually it fails because it's not sustainable it's not sustainable to think that people are okay with working more and giving up a higher percentage of their, of their earnings to people who are capable of doing less. And I'm not even calling them lazy. I'm recognizing the fact that there are people out there who are not capable of doing what other people are. And I hate to say it this way, and it's kind of blunt, but it's true, right? There's no fat people on the Victoria's Secret runway. There's no midgets on the professional basketball court. We're not all created equal. We have to make the best with what we were given. And it's unfortunate, but a lot of people don't figure this out until it's too late. And that's what kills me about people who are screaming that we need reparations, that we need to, and let's just take race out of it. Who cares what color anyone's skin is? There's people that think we need to take from some people and give it to others that don't have to earn it. So someone put their money at risk, or they traded their time for it, for money, and there's people out there that think that that should be taken away and given to those who didn't trade their time or brains for it. And to me, that's just messed up. It's messed up. And that's it. That's my take on Martin Luther King Day. Well, that's really not my take on the day. But that's my take on the situation that, that most people just associate MLK with one speech. So I would encourage you just to listen to a few other speeches. Maybe not even the whole thing. Just bump around, find them. They're on the YouTubes and listen to them. And you'll understand more about him and what he was about and what he thought. I think it's a huge part that's lacking from our culture. Is the ability to understand and recall and dissect the mindset of the people that we make holidays for. You might be surprised to learn some things about the Dr. Martin Luther King you didn't know. That's all I'm gonna say. That is all I'm gonna say about that. It was cold to hell, I shoulda let film stay and let y'all see that that one that gonna happen to that white woman for letting that damn baby in that road. Damn, white people always letting babies in the road.
2: And let's say one thing to rest. I may be a practicing Catholic. I used to go to 730 Mass
0: no, you every didn't. morning in high school and no, you in college no, you didn't.
2: before I went to the black church.
0: You didn't go to the black church.
2: Not a joke, Andy knows it's a this. joke, that's a joke. Andy, it's so great to see you, man. You're one of the greatest we've ever had. You really are, Andy. Andy and I took on apartheid in South Africa and a whole lot else. Whoa, 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 whoa,
0: whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on a second. Let's fact check that one second. Here he is, Biden, talking about the incident where he got arrested. Well, he didn't get arrested. Well, I'll just, I'll let you listen.
2: I had the great honor of being arrested with our U.N. ambassador on the streets of Soweto trying to get to see him on Robbins Island. When I said arrested, I meant I was not able to, I was not able to move. Oh. Cops... Alfred Connors would not let me go with them, made oh. me stay
0: where I was. I guess I, I wasn't arrested. I was stopped. Okay, that's what I thought. Just making sure. Okay, so he wasn't arrested in South Africa, but he was there protesting the apartheid. And he loves to talk about it. He brings it up as much as he possibly can. Loves to talk about the churches, all the black churches he went to, and all the Catholic churches and all the Jewish churches. It's very important to Joe Biden that we know that all the churches that he, he went to.
2: Or to segregate the
0: city. The, My the, state was. Did he just say like, segregate the city?
2: Law. We were a slave state. Hold up, it's bro. You
0: weren't. Oh, 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 hold up. We hold up. Hold up. My goodness. Did he say that they segregated? Let's run this back a little bit here. See if I can do this right. Live. Real time. Do it live.
2: But uh, we used to. Uh, that's where we'd organize to march or to segregate the city. My state was.
0: Okay, I think he's trying to say desegregate. I think that's what he's trying to say. You know, it sounds like he's got a mouthful of marbles, so it's hard to understand him. Like you're
2: segregated by law. We were a slave state, to our great shame, and uh, we had a lot of leftovers of the bad things coming from that period of time. But uh, I, uh, anyway, that's
0: another time. Okay, got it, got it. But
2: I learned a lot.
0: You know what? It's always another time, and uh, he gets confused. Here's what I'm sick and tired of, y'all. I'm just gonna tell you straight. I'm gonna sick and I'm gonna just tell you what I'm tired of. Not only Joe Biden sounding drunk in every video, that I'm tired of that too. But I'm tired of every single time that people get up in front of black people, that white people speak to black people. It's always about race. Every time, and you know what? This I just now figured this out watching this clip with old crusty, creepy corpse guy in front of this church of black people trying so hard to fit in, trying to talk about race. And why? Why does he do this? Because he wants to vote. He, he's too scared to th- think that they might not like him unless he sympathizes with their race issues. And that is so weak to me. It's so weak that he can't get up there and speak about the things that all Americans are going through, that he has to separate out what, what he thinks black people are going through and this just adds to division. This doesn't do anything to, to add unity or cohesiveness, right? This just tears us apart more, because now he gets up there and he speaks to, to black people, and he, all he talks about is what they can identify with. He's supposed to be the president of America, not the president of black people. Why does he do this?:
2: And I promise if any preacher. Preach to me back then, I'm not gonna be nearly as long as you were.
0: Insert laughter, please. Thank you.
2: Actually, I actually have a bad reputation for speaking too long.
0: That's a hilarious reputation. He
2: followed the path of Moses.
0: Okay, I can't I can't take it anymore. He just he rambles and he mumbles, and uh, yeah, that's it. Joe Biden, your president, desperate for the support of black people, desperate for the support of Jewish people, desperate for the support of every person except the actual working man. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about the guy who works at a mechanic shop, whose kids play Little League football, who has a hard time scraping together money for his wife's new car. No, nope, he doesn't care about that guy. He doesn't care about the guy that likes to collect guns so he can make sure his house is safe. He doesn't care about that guy. No. And if we're, we're all being honest, I don't think most presidents can empathize with those people. So... What do they do? They pick topics that they can speak to that makes them sound like they care, and no one can argue against it, right? Imagine, imagine how bad it would sound if someone were to publicly say, and I don't mean this little podcast because I do it, but I'm a little teeny tiny, but people are so scared to criticize them for, for race baiting and for trying to create sympathy because they will be called racist, and that's, that's where we are. You can no longer criticize someone without saying you're opposite of them and you hate them and you want to kill them and you hope they all die. That's where we are. Welcome to America. Thanks, Zuckerberg. Appreciate that, buddy. Good on you. Okay, all right. That was a rant. I'm going to just take my nerve pills and let my blood pressure come back down because I got the high bloods from Joe Biden. The old creepy corpse hair sniffer. I wish you could see this video. I found this video. It's a montage of him groping children and smelling their hair and if you can see this video there is no possible way you will still have respect for the man afterwards because the videos don't lie they show him grabbing children bringing them closer to him sniffing them hair sniffing their hair as they're trying to pull away I mean it is disgusting I told you guys I'm 100% convinced he's a pedophile if you know me hit me up I will send you a link to the video I don't Know how else to do it? Oh, you know what? Maybe I'll put it in the uh, in the show notes. It's a video someone to put together on Twitter. It's gross. It's disturbing, and uh, anyone else would be crucified, absolutely crucified. It's it's gross. Nonetheless, even though he brings up my blood pressure, I want to play one more one more thing to add some comedy relief to the the world of mushy mouth Joe Biden who doesn't know what day of the week it is and sounds drunk every time he's on the microphone. Here he is trying to sing happy birthday to somebody and this person's name is Andrea King. I believe she is an in-law, maybe MLK's daughter-in-law, MLK Jr. daughter-in-law, something like that. But her name is Andrea Waters King. Okay, Now here's your president trying to sing happy birthday and forgetting the name of the birthday person. (laughs) This is the kind of joe biden clip that makes me laugh but
2: congratulations today the honorees uh including your wife uh who i understand uh a birthday today well look my wife has a rule in her family
0: oh yeah What's when our somebody's
2: rule? birthday you sing happy birthday you ready okay, yeah let's go happy birthday to you happy birthday to you happy birthday dear valentine <laughs> Happy birthday!
0: Whoa, 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 whoa! Happy birthday to who?
2: Happy birthday, dear Valen. Happy birthday...
0: Valen. Valen. Happy birthday to Valen.
2: Happy birthday, dear Valen. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Well, it's hell turning thirty, but you got.
0: Happy birthday to Valerie. Valerie. Wait, who? No. Her name, Joe, is Andrea. No, Andrea. No, Andrea. Andrea. No, Andrea. No, Andrea.
2: Andrea.
0: Joe. It's Andrea. Okay, whatever. I give up. It's Valerie. On to the next topic. There's your president, ladies and gentlemen.
1: I want to whip his behind. That's what I want to do right now. If I thought they wouldn't take me to jail, I'd whip his behind me right now. Me and you now.
0: both, sister. Me and you both.
1: I want to whip his behind. That's-
0: yep. All right. One day he's going to get a behind whip. Speaking of kindergarten, I got a note right here in my old trusty podcast notes on my notes app on my iPhone entitled... Twitter is like kindergarten, and that's what I feel like is true. Twitter has become a place, and it always has been, I guess, but I've now since Muskrat took over, I've started becoming more of a frequent user of it and perusing more and reading the comments, and I'm realizing it's just like kindergarten. It's just like a bunch of children who bicker and fight and tattletale, and this is what happens, and this is going to sound bad, You're going to say to yourself, Oh, Brandon, you're so judgy and you're so arrogant. You don't even know what you're talking about. But this is what happens. And it's hard. It's hard for me to say this. But here I'm going to say it. And I know it's public, and that's okay. This may get taken down one day if I ever run for office, which I probably won't because I hate cocktail parties and I hate hanging out with people I don't like. But when you take people... Of different skill sets and cultures and intelligence levels and work ethics and expectations. You put them all into a room. And you would never, ever, ever have this in real life. You would never have Bill Gates having a conversation with a guy who picks up trash for a living. And not that there's anything wrong with a guy who picks up trash for a living. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying that people tend to surround themselves with people who are similar to them. Bill Gates is very opposite from a guy who picks up trash, so the likelihood of them ever having contact with one another is slim, unless of course it's on Twitter. And what I'm starting to see is is the behavior that is childlike, and I don't know why it's reverting to that. I don't. Maybe it's always been that way. I don't know, but someone will make a comment. Or they'll post something, and a response to that is something like. Yeah, well, my dad could beat up your dad. And of course, I'm not being literal, but I'm saying it's a it's a constant vying of assertion of information and links and memes. It's just it's such an odd behavior. And so what I think this is going to lead to, I think that the mentality in real life and the mentality of how things happen online or on Twitter or on Facebook or the interactions that take place there, I think, are starting to bleed over into real life. And I think that social media and the way that we behave in our digital world will start to look like, well, we will start behaving that way in the physical world because I think people kind of like the way that it feels. They just don't quite have the guts to act that way yet. But as we progress forward and the country becomes more and more divided, people will then have the confidence to act that way and to say those things in person. Now, what frustrates me is that most people are emotional about their feelings and the way that they think. And so all these Twitter fights and Facebook fights may end up being in, in person because I think it's, it's, it's molding, and I hate to say it's the, the evolution, but our, our mentality evolves over time with our surroundings. This is why we've, we've lost a lot of the traits that we had when our founding fathers came here. They've morphed, they've altered, life gets easier, priorities change. And I don't necessarily think it's going to be a quick shift. You know what would be cool, and this is the kind of thing that I wish I had a, a little dude. A little dude I could say, hey, go back and pull up a bunch of posts from people on social media from like 2010, 11, and 12, and analyze them for the tones of sarcasm, anger, frustration, and let's compare that to today. And this is AI is going to bring us this kind of stuff. So I would like to know what the, the sentiment was, the feelings, the emotions that were present. Because I suspect they've gotten more intense and angry and sarcastic and belittling and degrading. And all the ways that people act online that they don't act on per, in person. And if that's true, if we've, if we've evolved online, chances are we're going to evolve in person. But that may take a little bit longer. I suspect that the first time you're really going to see this true are the people who were born with the iPhone in their hand, and they've had access to data and social media since before they could talk. And I don't know what age those people are right now. Probably somewhere in their teens, mid-teens, maybe early teens, I don't know, maybe even 20. So they haven't really hit adulthood yet. And I really hope, I hope that it goes the other way. I hope that one day people will start saying, we're going to start a campaign to put down social media. We need to get away from this. And I, that's how I feel. I feel like we are going to end up a divided country where people are forced to choose a side. And the reason I say that is what's going to lead me into my next topic. And that is the Kyle Rittenhouse situation that I mentioned, I think, a couple weeks ago. Actually, I don't know. Man, I get these things confused. I know I talked about Rittenhouse. I know I kind of talked about how he's not really a hero, in my opinion. Maybe I didn't, but for those maybe who didn't hear that, Kyle Rittenhouse is not a hero, in my opinion. He didn't do anything spectacular that's worthy of a bunch of media attention. Now, he exercised his right of the Second Amendment, but we can say that it's a likelihood the guy showed up looking for trouble which I'm not a fan of. Now, if you show up to defend someone's property and you have a gun, you keep the gun inside and out of sight until you need to use it or it's getting heating up or things are looking like you might need a gun. Either way, I I wasn't there. I don't know. I don't know the kid, but I feel like I may have handled things differently. Now, whatever, he can do however he wants to do it. I think he defended himself. He may have shown up looking to defend himself. Maybe he didn't, but he defended himself. And because of that, there's no need to parade him around all the right-leaning social media guys and the YouTubers and the rallies. You know, this kind of stuff, in my opinion, is just getting... It's helping make a bad name, right? We're, we're usually the group of people that doesn't have rallies and protests and marches and whatnot, but here we are parading Rittenhouse all over the country. And So I want to talk a little bit more in detail about a situation that happened with Kyle Rittenhouse and the place where he was supposed to go speak... It was a brewery located in Conroe. He was going to go talk there. They were going to put him up on the stage. They were going to clap for him. Yay, Rittenhouse shoots people to defend himself. Yay, we need more people like him. And so after the word got out that Kyle Rittenhouse was going to be there, the brewery got a lot of pressure from their customers to, I guess, to cancel cancel the rally, you know, and this – this brewery is located in a highly conservative red county in Texas where most of the people are going to have conservative values and they're going to love Rittenhouse too. But either way, the owner of the brewery felt like he needed to cancel the appearance in order to keep his customers happy. And there's kind of been some back and forth about whether or not the brewery owner actually knew that Rittenhouse was going to be there. Right, The people who put on these sh- parades or charades, what do you want to call them, supposedly told the the people at the brewery, like, hey, Kyle Rittenhouse will be here. And everyone seemed to be okay with that. The owner of the brewery said, no, I didn't know that. No one told me Rittenhouse was coming, which, you know, he knew that it was a conservative-based anti-censorship rally. I suspect that even if he didn't know Rittenhouse was coming and someone told him Rittenhouse was coming and he got no backlash, he'd probably be okay with it. The guy has held other political events there in the past. What really, what really I hate about this whole thing is that there are customers out there who are willing to say, if you put someone up there that we don't like, we will not carry your product. Now, they have the right to do that. I'm not saying they shouldn't have the right to do that. What saddens me about the whole thing is that there are people out there who are willing to do that. Of course, we should have the right to buy from whoever we want to. And if, if there's certain people that we want to support because of whatever reason, we'll support them. I do think that supporting or not supporting people, based on their political opinions, is not good. And I spent some time thinking about this, and I thought to myself, would would I buy from someone who is hosting a rally for, let's just say, LGBTQ? Would I buy from them? Yes, maybe I would. No, maybe I wouldn't. I probably would still. I probably... Because I have different opinions uh, w- with someone does not give me reason to not buy from them. And I'm okay with someone standing up on a stage and presenting their opinion and doing what they think is important. Now, eventually there's a line, right? If someone gets up there and says, yeah, we support pedophilia and we like to, um, to support grown men um, dating girls and boys who are below the age of 10, then I would say, no, 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 you're not going to get my money. But we're failing to see where the where, the line of extremism is moving, because in my opinion, a guy who shoots himself in self-defense and then gets paraded around, like what—that's not really extremism, in my opinion. Now the people who are mad at him just have a different point, a different threshold of when they would have pulled the trigger. And I wish that we were a country where people could just identify that and say, you know what, I'm not really a big fan of what the reason they're parading this kid around. I don't really approve of it, but I understand that, you know, the guy probably went there looking for trouble, and he found it, and he maybe got off on defending himself. But that's one individual. That's someone who, in the in the viewpoint or the eyes of the liberal, Who despises him. That's one person who made a bad decision and maybe wasn't raised right in their opinion. So all this to say this, I spent a lot of time thinking, how would I handle that? I have a brewery. I'm very much conservative based values, right? I tend to try to pick things apart from, from a objective standpoint, as long as they fit within my moral wheelhouse. And so how would I have handled it? If I would have committed to a rally and someone told me that Kyle Rittenhouse was going to be there, or even if they didn't, and I found out later, what would my reaction be? And I think that I would have just said, hey, you know what? We committed to having Kyle Rittenhouse come speak. We committed to renting our venue. Unfortunately, we're in a position where we need to take money from people that we can get it from. And because of that, we'll let anybody come speak who's willing to pay. And that is the honest truth. At our brewery, I allowed two political campaign uh, what am, I, what am I trying to say? Two political candidates come speak and have little mini rallies and gatherings, not because I supported their politics, but because we're on the verge of going broke. We were then. And so we originally set out and said, no political rallies, no political affiliations whatsoever. And then after our checking account was pointed at the dirt long enough, we said, anybody who would like to hold a political rally, come on, see us. We'll be your guys. And so... I feel like that's truly open-mindedness or, or the willingness to to let the capital flow where where it wants to go. And so I feel like the right thing to do from the brewery owner's perspective would have been to come out and say, Hey, guys, we're getting all kinds of pressure from lots of customers to cancel this rally. All right. I'm not a big fan of Kyle Rittenhouse. I don't think he's a hero, but we rented our taproom to these people who are parading him around, and we will take their money. Now, just because we're doing that doesn't mean that we think all you people who fly the rainbow flag are the devil incarnate. In fact, as a brewery owner, I would never cancel you. I would never refuse you or refuse to trade services with you because you held a rally supporting trans people. That is your opinion. and You have the right to hold that rally. And this, remember, this is me giving my speech to the people about the potential cancellation. I would say, if you people feel the need to cancel me because I'm willing to rent out my taproom to someone who has a different opinion than you, than you are, that's fine. All I can do is hold out hope that my customers who like me will find a way to support me and will make up for it. But just so you know, I would never cancel you. For your opinions, I would never say we're not swapping services anymore because I don't agree how you're doing things. That is a bully. And that is how you're starting to see things shift, behaviors go from cancel in platform, cancel in person, and not only cancel in person, but cancel supporters in person. And what you're going to see is the companies who have the most power are going to steer steer the sentiment of the public and the political agenda. And that's why Elon Musk is so dead set on trying to maintain free speech on Twitter, because he wants the people to speak louder than the companies. You know, everyone always gets mad about businesses having too much power. But all we think about is their market share. We don't think about their voice. We don't think about them having the ability to control Facebook, because remember, they are to Facebook what they also were to the brewery, right? They're the customer. They give money to Facebook. They give money to the brewery for beer. They give money to the Facebook for advertising. So what happens when you have power over the person you give money to? You can, you can steer them. You can say, no, 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 no. You're not going to do that. If you do that, we're not going to give you money, and you're going to lose business. So now the business owners faced with that decision and i do not like it i don't like it to that we're in a point in time where customers have so much power over businesses that they can they can they can steer them and that's bad it's a bad situation to be in and maybe it's always happened but it's more public now than ever before and the and the general public is joining in on the fun the problem is that one side of the spectrum screams louder than the other the left they're willing to say what they think they're willing to to put their opinions all the way out there. And if they get fired, they get fired. The right, they're not. They don't want to make trouble. They don't want to cause problems. They don't want to lose customers. They don't want to lose their job. They're willing to get the shot, but they don't approve of it. And until some of those people start to stand up and stand on their opinions, and yes, even though you're a beer company and you lean right, in the world of left beer companies, right? Because let's be honest, 90% of breweries out there, they're all liberals. I don't know how it ended up this way. But the brewery world is left-leaning, and so it's tough. It's tough to swim against a stream, but I feel like that's where the idea of being able to disagree without being disagreeable comes into play. You have to be able to stand on your opinion and willing to take the fallback if people want to persecute you for it because if you don't, things will never change. If you allow yourself to be steered based on fear, which is what What's happening? People are scared of losing accounts. They're scared of their business. And until people are willing to risk that, they're willing to say, I don't care if my business goes broke. I'm not going to cancel a commitment because I'm a man of my word. And it has nothing else to do with anything other than that. You are not going to pressure me into canceling an event just because you're a customer. And even if you're my most valuable customer, I'm not going to cancel an event because you don't like it and I, I want to see people become that way. I want to see people be willing to lose things in order to not be pushed around. We talk about bullies all the time. Stand up to them. This is bullying in the corporate form and we should not tolerate it. And that's it, that is all I'm gonna say about that. You about to lose your job. You about to lose your job, get this dance. You about to lose your job because you are detaining me for nothing.
1: It's a creepy dough currency.
0: Speaking of children, I know, and I probably shouldn't say that. That's maybe kind of of mean, but I'm going to say it anyway. You know, at the brewery, we do whatever we can to stay in business. And by that, I mean we host events, we hire ponies, we hire magicians, we hire bouncy houses. We bring people to cook crawfish, we bring food trucks, we bring axe throwers, we bring bands, whatever you got to do to sell the beer, you do it, okay? Well, recently we've not recently, but for about the last year and a half, we started doing bingo night once a month, which I I'll, I'll be the first to admit, we'll have this idea and I'll think it's going to do great, and this is just the next biggest thing at New Oasis Brewing Company and then it just flops. You know, I wanted to have this big citywide scavenger hunt where everyone would come to the brewery and get their list and then go all over town in costumes and do a scavenger hunt and come back and the winner gets free beer for a year. And it flopped. It flops. So it's very difficult to predict what the general public will enjoy. As I do this longer, I'm becoming better at predicting it. And what I feel like is kind of the common denominator is that it's got to be an activity that everyone can participate in. And so let's just take bingo, for example. You probably couldn't pay me enough to go sit somewhere and play bingo. Now, I get it. It's fun to go with your grandmother or your grandfather and hang out and have a good time. And I went, I think, two times when I was in high school. And it was kind of a novelty. You know, it was a little bit like gambling. We would pay. Pay the money for the cards and hope we won some money in return. But I never won anything. But at the brewery, it's free. You show up, you get your free bingo cards, you play bingo for three hours, and maybe you win some swag or some stickers or some free crawlers or whatever it is. It's, not, it's maybe 25 30 $40 worth of prizes per game. But I'm telling you, when I say there was not a seat in the house, there was not a seat in the house. I mean, we're talking over 300 people crammed into a room playing bingo. And I'll have to admit, the guy who hosts it is really good. He's funny. He's a friend of ours. And he does a good job hosting it. And and, and there's part of me that thinks, okay, lots of these people are probably here to, to listen to this guy cut up. Because he, he does a bit of a comedy bit while he's doing bingo. So there could be that. But at the same time, I think about bingo. And I think, man, this is... This game I need to go look it up but I think it was designed for children. Like there's no thought that goes into playing bingo. There's no strategy. There you can't be a good bingo player or a bad bingo player. And it blows my mind that people enjoy what feels to be like a competitive environment for something that there's no skill set involved. And it's just it's even weird just to say it out loud, but that's just how I feel. I mean, there's no... It is just pure luck. I guess some people like playing games of luck, and I understand that. But this game of luck, <laughs> it's like... I mean, I guess it's no different than pushing the button on the slot machine. That's why I hate slot machines. You just sit there and you push a button, and you stare at it like a robot. And I just think, like, it'd be easier if you just... You walk up, put your money in, it just tells you if you win or lose. You don't have to push anything or watch anything spin, but... You know that's part of it. It was just it caught me off guard, and it still does, to realize how many people enjoy doing things that don't don't require any strategy or thought. And, I, and listen, I'm not a chess player. I I can't play chess. I don't know the rules. One day I hope to learn, and I understand not everyone likes it, and I don't expect everyone to want to play chess. But I would have expected fewer people really enjoyed playing bingo. I don't know. I just thought it interesting. It would be an interesting point to bring up. As I was working on Thursday night, like you know, till we closed, scrambling around, making sure people had food and drinks and beer and ringing their tickets up, and I just thought to myself, I'm not complaining because I'm glad they're there to spend their money. But I wonder what satisfaction they get out of bingo because I get zero, not none, no, no. No fun whatsoever. Now, if I was playing for a million dollars, I wouldn't get satisfaction out of the game, but I'd probably show up and play. But to play for a free T-shirt or bumper sticker, I just—I got better things to do. And I'm so glad that our customers love it, and I—I I think it's great. We will continue hosting bingo until it dies or something goes wrong. I mean, I—you know, it's—it's it's great. Just caught me off guard. That's all. Just a—a a little surprising when you dissect it. My crew is big and it keeps getting bigger. That's because Jesus Christ is my nigga. I ain't never seen no shit like that before. You know, one of the things that I often find myself saying on here, and that's because I go back and I listen to all these episodes, I listen to them one time, and then more than likely I never listen to them again. Because, well, for lots of reasons, but I need to make sure the audio is acceptable and everything's okay and there's not too many errors none of them are perfect but so i listened to him one time through and then i kind of never listened to him again but one thing that i always realize that i say is that we're not electing leaders we're not electing leaders and that's that's true i feel that way but i felt like it'd be a good time to dissect and break down and talk about what what characterizes a leader how do you separate someone that's a leader from someone who wants to be in the spotlight, because those are two very, very different characteristics, and you can, you can be both, and you can be one or the other. It doesn't. None of them are mutually exclusive. In my opinion, we're better off with leaders that don't really want to be in the spotlight; that they just kind of want to lead and change things, and and create a better life for the people they represent. And then the uh, the the. Mr. Hyde to that Dr. Jekyll or did I mess that whole thing up? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? The flip side of that is the guy who wants to be in the spotlight. He wants to be the guy that gets the credit for all the things that he's done. And that's more of his motivation. That's the reason why he does things is a feeling he gets that's that's good and recognition. And he's put into the position of people respecting him. But it's very important to him that he gets the recognition. And personally, I would like to see the type of leader who doesn't really care much about recognition, that's a little bit more humble, that puts other people's best interest before his own. And so the politicians that we're seeing, most of these people are just like they're, they have the same behavioral patterns and characteristics as an actor or, or someone who becomes very notable or they have a lot of notoriety, uh, not because of their leadership skills, but because of their people skills. And depending on who you ask, a leader can just be someone that, that has followers. And I, I understand that, but you have to ask yourself why, why do people have followers? Is it because that they're, they're motivating and inspiring and people respect them? Or is it because people fear them? Or is it because people want to be like them and they see that they have the nice things and the cars and the jets and that's people that are willing to follow them because they think that they can achieve whatever it is that this person has that they're following? And those are the things that are, it are important when you're hiring people and you're looking for employees and you want people who are leaders, right? I, I want people who are willing to make decisions and that can can process problems and produce a solution. I don't want people that just that have the I can't mentality. We're too small of a business. We don't we don't have policies and procedures for everything. We rely on people using their brains. And the biggest thing that I'm figuring out which I never knew up until this business is that most people generally are not leaders. They're they're not the kind of people that want to make the decision and want to create systems and want to solve problems, they're not that at all. They, they just want to do their job. They just want to do their job. And it's it's weird to me because I feel like I, I want to do my job better than anyone else around me. I want to do my job so good that the people, whoever's paying me, can never get rid of me. And it's odd to me that that mindset is not more prevalent in people. I assume that it was. I used to think if you would have asked me three years ago, if you're talking about general employees, people that you hire, whether they're 15 bucks an hour or $500,000 a year per hour. No, you know what? I'm going to say, I'm going to roll that back. The people between $15 an hour and 35 bucks an hour, what percentage of those people are truly leaders? And I would have said probably 50, 50, But that's not true. I think it's probably 90% are not leaders and 10% are leaders. And by leaders, I just mean what what I just explained. People who are willing to solve problems, take charge, be in control, and, and lead people. And it's a shame to me that we don't want, as voters, we don't want that characteristic in our constituents. We don't want that in the people that are representing us. We want we want to identify with them. It's more important that the voter like their personality and understand them than it is actually selecting them based on their leadership characteristics. And I really think the worm might be beginning to turn and people might start figuring it out soon that when people like this George Santos, I think is his name, some Republican guy that scammed everybody into a I think a house position he's just been lying about everything. And it goes to show us that we just were picking people for the wrong reasons. If we held them to a different standard, you know, Wall Street rewards leaders with money. You know, you cannot be a founder of a Fortune 500 company or a CEO. Well, I take that back. CEO, you can. So you have founders. These are the guys that start the businesses from the ground up. They have the idea. They go get the money. They put the whole thing together. They operate the business for the first 10, 15 years. Then they take the business public. Normally around that time, they get shoved out. The board puts a new CEO in place. Those guys typically aren't leaders. The reason that they do this is because the board wants to have control over the company. The board of directors is just a group of people that help steer the company, where it goes, what they're focusing on. They're the people that the CEO has to answer to. So it's kind of a check and balance. Well, They end up running off the founders because the founders are leaders. They are forward thinking. They're chargers. They've been in the position of making all the decisions from day one. So they have a hard time dealing with a board that comes in and all of a sudden tells them, you know, we're not going to do this. We're going to do that. Because when you're a public company, all of your records are public. Everyone can see what you're doing with your money. You have to announce what you expect your income to be. All sorts of rules come along with this. So they they want to put a guy in there that they can control. The guy that's in there was already in there is a guy that they cannot control. So it's very very common that you see the board run the founders out when a company goes public or not too long after. And I feel like that businesses have created this environment with politicians that they don't want the hard charging opinionated leaders in the in the positions of of politics they want people that they can manipulate and control and donate money to and with the whole donations from and have the ability to push those people around and so the similarities to me caught me by surprise i would say but it's all starting to make sense the people the people who control things that are not in the positions of the of the government can still steer the government in a direction that they want it to go and that's a scary thing to me it's it's scary to see how much businesses how much power these businesses have in government it, it should not be this way in my opinion but I, I do not know what the solution is yet but as my typical fashion we first identify problems and then we bitch about them and then we bitch about them some more and then we bitch about them some more and some more And then maybe we start talking about solutions. But first, we get to bitch about the problem for a long time. (laughs) And in this case, it is a major problem in my book that we're putting people in political positions who do not have a backbone. They get run over and trounced by their donors because they're not leaders. And the donors have the one thing that politicians want. And that's money in order for them to win the next election. Happy birthday, dear Zalvin. Joe, are we doing this again? I told you. Happy birthday, dear Zalvin. Okay, whatever. You win, Joe. You win. Joe, tell me what again your significant climate investment will do again to the economy. One more time. That our significant climate investment
2: will, quote, help turbocharge... The emerge the energy, the, uh, the what, what excuse me, tur- turbo charge, turbo charge the emerging global clean energy, co- clean energy economy. What's wrong with you? I was reading their quote. Sorry. No worries.
0: Was that a joke or something? Not a joke. All right, fine. I believe you. I wanted to report back very, very quickly before I end this podcast. But I told you guys I was going to start doing some research on implanting chips into humans. And I have, I have started that. I'm beginning to find some things out that probably won't surprise most people. And, uh, yeah, I think I've talked a little bit about the Neuralink chips that Elon's implanting into the brains of monkeys. Which, just saying that out loud, sounds like we're living in an episode of Black Mirror. If you've never seen Black Mirror on Netflix, check it out. That's all I'm going to say about that. But, yeah, the chip implants are coming. Uh, I'm still going to do a little bit more reading, but... I'm thinking 15 years, 10 to 15 years, it'll be uh, the size of a microchip that we put into dogs, about the size of a grain of rice, probably go right above the wrist or in the top of the hand, kind of between those tendons, and it'll be optional. There'll be a huge argument whether or not people take it, but just like most technology, the convenience of it will probably outweigh the pushback. But I think this will get a lot of resistance. I think that there, people my age will, will clearly die of old age before getting the implant, and I probably will too. I don't know if I'll ever get it. It just depends on how convenient they choose to make things or inconvenient they choose to make them too. Because what will really suck is not being able to get the benefits that other people will get from having it. And a lot of times... We don't even know what that will be. We don't know what that will get them. We don't know if it means you'd never have to have a social security card or driver's license on you again. Probably be something along those lines. It could be health benefits. You know, they could say, look, this is going to analyze your blood. It's going to tell you what's happening. If you, you know, getting ready to have a heart attack, you know, 10 minutes early. And I think things like that will convince people, okay, maybe it's worth it because you got to have an upside. You know, the downside is you got something in your body that the government's endorsing or someone of power is putting there in order to gain information from you. And so there has to be a considerable amount of upside. And eventually we'll get to the point where people can't go without them. Or they can, but it's going to kind of be like, you know, you'll be a freak or an outlier or they'll call them like a no-chipper. You know, they're they always going to come up names for people like me that, that, that refuse to change and, and follow rules. It'll be like a, an anti-chipper, probably something like that. We ought to put a pool together and bet on what that, what the name will be, for the first round of people who are against the chips and chipping themselves and their babies. Because there will be a name. We should we should plan it now, and we could pick it. That'd be great. So that's just an update. More on chips to come when I have it all understood and and I have all my estimates laid out on when it's gonna happen. I'll come back and do a little bit more of a deeper dive. But. That's where I'm at for now. haven't done a ton of research on it, but every night when I go to bed, I watch a different video about something that I'm trying to learn about, and that's, that's in my rotation. It's in my rotation along with some historical events. Let's see, what did I watch last night? Oh, yeah, last night I watched a documentary about Lehman Brothers, the bank collapse in 2008. Who knows, maybe in another show I will do a breakdown of the 2008 Financial market collapse because, you know, maybe you guys want to hear about that. I don't know. How would I know what you guys want to hear about? Hey, speaking of that, if you've ever thought about getting a hammock, now is the time. WorldSBestHammocks.com. These hammocks are literally the best in the world. It may seem expensive for a hammock. I don't want to hear people going, That's so much money just for a hammock. I don't want to hear it because they're the best hammocks in the world. Where can you get the world's best anything for under 400 bucks? You cannot do it. But you can go to worldsbesthammocks.com and get the best hammocks in the world. How do you know, Brandon? Well, I've been all over the world, and I've tried out hammocks there. So I've found the best. I've built a website. Well, I didn't build a website. I've had people build a website. They're not my people. I don't like the word my fill in the blank. You know, I saw someone the other day who was flying in their jet. And they put a picture of their pilot. They said here's my pilot. And I know they probably didn't mean harm. I know that they weren't trying to exercise ownership. But I just feel like if I were a pilot. I wouldn't want someone to call me their pilot. I would be saying here's the pilot. Or here's the pilot of my plane. Or here's my friend who's also my pilot. There's lots of things you can say. And I dated a girl one time. And you know what ended it for me? When she said, my jeweler. When not only did she have a regular jeweler, but she called it my jeweler. And you know what? Some people might say that's a stupid thing to think. And they're entitled to that opinion. But I just, I, I just don't want to be around somebody who values jewelry so much that they have their own jeweler and they call them their jeweler. Probably a sign of lots of other things that we would not see eye to eye on. And I'm beginning to realize you did not come here to hear me talk about my personal life. I appreciate you listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. It's a regular dude with a regular job and lots and lots of opinions. And also a website called Woke Best Hammocks. I'm just kidding. WorldsBestHammocks.com. Go check it out. Order yourself a hammock. Order a hammock for your friend, your boyfriend, your baby mama. Somebody, just order a hammock, please. I hope everyone has a great week. I would like for you to do the following. Go listen to some Martin Luther King speeches and pick your favorite. If you want to use mine, you can. It's called the Street Sweeper Speech. Show it to people when they start talking about Martin Luther King see if they even know about it. If you're going to speak, speak loudly and clearly, unlike your president, Joe Biden. If you're going to sing happy birthday to somebody, make sure you know their name before you start the song, unlike our president, Joe Biden. If you're going to be on Twitter, be a grown-up, not a kindergartner. If you're going to play games, it can be bingo. That's fine. Just try to play some adult games, too. Stimulate your mind, man. And the last thing is, when you go to the polls to vote, please elect leaders, not actors. Once again, I appreciate listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. Have a great week. Keep it tranquilo, and go check out world'sbesthammocks.com.